0: thanks for listening. Join us now for Perry and Shawna replay from eighty nine point three Modi Radio. Well, if you're a mom, you know that your kids are facing a tsunami of damaging toxic misinformation about sexuality and gender identity. And as a mom, it's up to you to help your kids understand God's truth in the face of the candy-coated lies that saturate today's world. It is on you, but you're not alone because there are resources. We've got this book, Mama Bear Apologetics' Guide to Sexuality, co-authored by Amy Davison. It's amazing. Talk to the parent right now who's really discouraged about raising kids in today's culture.
1: Oh, yeah. Gosh, if I can just encourage you, you are not alone. Like, we we are all there together. And I think one thing that's encouraging, well, I have to kind of say this first before we get to the encouragement, is culture isn't going to change. In fact, this is, this is actually a reflection of our culture's worldview. The fact that we didn't recognize it when we were kids, I'm speaking from the millennial side point, is because a secular culture... Actually, match the biblical worldview for a very long time. When you looked at cartoons and music, you know, it was one man, one woman, children, that sort of thing. And culture has since shifted. So, of course, the expressions of culture that we see in art and entertainment are going to shift along with it. And so this is very daunting to parents because it almost feels a bit like an ambush. I know I recognized it a few years ago when my son and I were watching a cartoon together, and it had introduced bisexuality among childhood cartoon characters. Mm. And it was very quick to where if I'd have been on my Phone, messing around on Pinterest, I totally would have missed it, but I didn't, thankfully. And neither did my son. And he was like, wait a second, mom, just a few episodes ago, she had this huge crush on this British tutor and now she's liking this girl. What happened? Hmm. And I was floored that this sort of material was reaching my children. And so many parents, in fact, I see a lot of Christians responding on social media complaining about, oh my gosh, how can this be happening with our kids and culture? And part of me is like, actually this is something we should be expecting because the culture doesn't reflect a biblical worldview. They're reflecting a very secular worldview. So this is exactly what we should be expecting in culture. So with that, parents, I think we need to understand is there's no way to keep this from our kids. So many parents are, you know, we've even had requests of, hey, what shows are doing this so I can keep them from my kiddos? And I've had to tell parents, I'm like, you know what, this isn't going to stop. You're not going to be able to keep it from them. Because even if you, you know, have all the filters and only watch VeggieTales in your home, eventually they're going to go outside of your doors and they're going right. to encounter a kid, a teen, go to over to somebody else's house, whether it's a friend or grandma. And they're going to encounter this information. And so while it may seem daunting, because we can't keep it out, and that's what we're not called to do, we're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. And there's a great quote out there that says, we're not supposed to child proof the world, but we're supposed to world proof the child. And that is our goal as parents, is to worldproof the child. And luckily, for those parents who may feel daunted at so much progressive sexual education that's coming through, not just in the new schools and sex head curriculums, but also within cartoons and entertainment, there There's a wealth of resources that are out there to equip you in this fight. So I think what's important for parents is to recognize that their children are in the fight just as much as they are. So many times we parents think that it's only parents that have to do spiritual warfare. No, it's not. Our kids are in there just as much as us parents. So recognize that. And that helps parents to be re encouraged to equip their children to wield the armor of God because the armor of God wasn't just meant for adults. It was meant for all believers. We have to train our kids to be able to recognize and discern truth so that they can be effective witnesses, but also resistant to the culture that's out
0: there. God is just so amazing. You know, when things happen within a culture that that shifts completely away from Jesus and the ways of Jesus, he raises up people to speak to the times. People like Amy Davison, who's written this incredible resource. If you're a parent with kids, if you're a mom with little kids, you've got to get this book, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. And also check out all the things they have at their website, MamaBearApologetics.com. We shouldn't get defensive. We just need to get equipped and we need to equip our kids. And what we're after is to raise kids who think critically, love biblically, love like Jesus, and stand firm against the cultural tide because they taste and see that the Lord is good and they taste and see that he is forgiving and that they taste and see that his ways are the life-giving ways. So we have kids that are growing up in Christian families, and they, they leave the faith after they graduate from high school, and many of them are not coming back now. Why is this happening, and how can we reverse it?
1: Oh, gosh there you know honestly there's a variety of reasons of why this is happening the pew research did a survey over teens on on why they left the faith and a lot of times it has to deal with unanswered questions and church hurts so unanswered questions meaning they haven't been they've maybe been um, shamed for questioning the faith, for having questions, for wanting to understand aspects of the faith. Maybe a lot of times they were told, oh, you just need to have faith, stop questioning. So they've been sort of shamed for having doubts, whereas doubts, we can often have immense spiritual flourishing and spiritual growth within a period of doubt. And so some of them because of unanswered questions, others is because they've seen sort of mishandling of situations in the church. Maybe there has been a church elder that has totally been awful to somebody. They have just degraded a human being. They have not loved people like Jesus. And they kind of like me, when I walked away from the faith, they assume that, okay, that is what Christianity is when it's not at all. When we look at Jesus, that is not how he handled situations and how he met people and, and guided people. And so it, it's typically wrapped in those two things. A lot of times there are a lot of kids who think that, well, the church isn't, isn't shifting with the times. They think the church should be more progressive. Again, it's this postmodern influence on this lack of objective truth to where now we just need to shift in whatever culture deems as appropriate. The church needs to follow suit. So again, there's that need to instill the existence or help kids recognize that objective truth exists. Because mm-hmm. right now we have so many kids out there who are thinking that, truth is their own creation, that they basically are are their own sort of little gods, and they sort of manifest their own truth. And this is very attractive, because again, it gives sort of this false view of freedom, because then I can have my truth, you can have your truth, and I don't have to have this awkward evangelistic encounter, we can just live and let live, and everything's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, but that's, again, that's very problematic, because again, objective truth exists. And so Helping kids wrestle with doubts is very important. Looking into the effects of postmodernism on church culture is also huge. We have we do that in our first Mama Bear book. Elisa Childers has a fantastic ministry geared toward unpacking the influence on postmodernism and the deconstruction of the church. And so that's very important for kids to understand as well as helping them. And the church almost has to do the groundwork of ministering to people like Jesus did, because again, so much of kids walking away, it's tied up a lot of it within sexual issues. There's, let's see, I think it's like 54% of Christians believe that homosexuality should be accepted and that hookup culture engaging in, you know, one night stands with different random people is totally okay. So we're totally skewed on these issues. And then when the church speaks truth and saying, no, this is actually counter to God's design and not healthy, they think the church is just being bigoted where they don't understand the full issue. So it's important for the church to do the groundwork and really go and address these issues, but also address them in the way that Christ addressed the broken and where he met them where they were at, but he never allowed them to stay there to where we minister with truth, but just as much grace as well, because that is what the church is needing right now. And so that is where these kids, they're falling away because again, they think they have to choose between their friends and sort of placating emotions and the truth of the gospel. And so often kids will compromise gospel for their friends. And so we need to help our kids and then just people in general recognize that, no, you can love like Jesus, but still adhere to the truth of scripture.
0: So if there's a parent listening right now whose child, whose teenager is confused about their sexuality, their sexual orientation, mm-hmm. they're confused yeah. about gender, you know, what what is my identity? Mm-hmm. Talk to that parent.
1: Yeah, and that's totally understandable. When we look at the LGBTQ agenda, especially with regards to gender, there has been such a shift in how we understand who we are as an individual. So within the LGBTQ agenda, especially regarding gender, it's it's now this sort of spectrum to where there's strict gender stereotypes. So maleness or manliness, you know, you would think of like the hardcore, he's got a beard, wears the plaid shirts, you know, football, yeah. beer, raw, you know. There we go. <laughs> that's that is the good man. <laughs>
0: The Mandalorian.
1: Yes. Yeah. And so then we have like, then we have the female, right? And she is, she's frilly and not necessarily flippant, but she's the girly girl. She's the legally blonde type. She's gorgeous. (laughs) You know, she, she wears the, the frilly dresses, you know, that sort of thing. So you have these. And and then what's presented is, okay, which one do you more closely identify with? So this is hugely problematic because again, masculinity and femininity have range. We even see this within the Bible. I mean, Jacob hung by the tents and cooked with the women. Uh, David, when he was young, he hung out with sheep and played a harp. I mean, I'm yep. sorry, there's not much that n- nobody would think a harp playing and hanging out with fluffy sheep is very manly. Um, <laughs> but yet we see the this range within masculinity. Same with femininity. Oh my gosh, you have Deborah, who is a leader in her community, who is actually on the the lines of the battlefield, cheering on warriors. You have Joanna, who is a businesswoman. I mean, you have this wonderful expression of okay, you may have things that might be quote unquote stereotypically male or stereotypically female. But that doesn't change that you are, in fact, a male or a female. But that's not what we're seeing now. Again, the the movement started within feminism under this belief that if we can get rid of masculinity and femininity or male and female, then we can get rid of any sort of oppression that's Directed toward females or males. The problem is, this just completely implodes because, again, you can't get rid of oppression just by taking away that. They're just going to shift towards something else. But it also totally collapses because, again, when you look at maleness, okay, if you have a man who is maybe more on the soft spoken side, he's more compassionate, maybe he likes the arts more, he's not big into that, you know, rough and tumble, you know, wearing leather, that sort of thing, that's not his thing. Well, where does he fall on the spectrum? He's now more on the female side. And, okay, if we're going to follow the logic, if you have more female characteristics, then maybe you are female. I mean, logically, this is valid, but it's completely unsound, right? Because you can still be a soft-spoken, compassionate male, just like you can be an assertive, powerful female and be no less female. So again, with when it comes to kids who are struggling with this, often it's because they've bought into the ideology that there are these strict gender stereotypes, and that you have to fall with, and wherever you fall within this range is who you truly are. Now this is again, this is just a very brief summary. Preston Sprinkle has a fantastic ministry geared toward this outreach that I highly encourage you to look into. But with kids, it's it's helpful to encourage that you can be a, a female. And still be the rough and tumble type. I know when I was a kid, I drove my mom nuts because I was always getting muddy and climbing trees and wanting adventures. I mean, heck, I joined the military right out of high school wow. and that sort. of These these sort of things that you wouldn't quite assume as more feminine qualities, but that doesn't mean that I was any less female. And so it's it's just unfortunate that some of these kids, so much of their struggles is because they have been shepherded and bought into the false ideology that femininity and masculinity you fall on this range, and then wherever you fall in the range that is who you are, rather than operating from the objective standpoint of, no, I am a male, I am a female, and maleness and female femininity can have a range of expressions that may not fit certain stereotypes that we see in culture today.
0: Hey, let's not get defensive against the LGBTQ agenda, especially the people behind it. Let's not get defensive, but let's get equipped and then equip our kids to think biblically, to think critically, to make the right decisions, to know that God's way is the best way. And Amy Davison is co-author of a great resource along these lines, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. And there is just a ton of resources at MamaBearApologetics.com. Check it out. Please check it out. Don't get defensive, get equipped. What is the new and improved sex talk with our kids?
1: So the new and improved sex talk with our kids is basically the talk that we had always hoped to have or wanted to have as a kid, but maybe didn't quite acknowledge it. So the new and improved sex talk is actually refocusing it, to realize that it's not a talk at all. In fact, it's an active form of discipleship that we should be starting with our kids from the very beginning. It's recognizing that our bodies and sex in general is not something to be taboo, but is something that we are supposed to steward as an act of faithfulness. And there's one thing that's just fascinating. We have an entire book of the Bible, Song of Solomon, that talks about the beauty of sex, sexual expression within marriage, desire for one's spouse. This was never something that was supposed to be, you know, just whispered about, or, you know, kept off the, the pulpit. This was something that was supposed to be dialogued with. And I think that's one way that almost the the church, in a way, we've had to scramble and fix so much of because we either didn't talk about it or, like what happened in the 90s and early 2000s with purity culture, we sort of focused on the negative aspects of it yeah. and sort of tried to scare people out of having sex. And it it just had this terrible fallout to where people just felt like they couldn't reach these standards sexual purity became this standard of holiness that even the cross you know couldn't fix for some people And so the new sex talk is really putting sex in its place as an aspect of our faith. It's an expression of our biblical worldview. It's recognizing that this is how God designed. It's something that's beautiful and has purpose. And as such, it needs to be protected and shepherded and guided and teaching kids proactively about it, being completely open with our kids and allowing them to ask questions and to be able to encounter these issues. Some of the great, greatest testimonies I've heard from from other kids is because they've had parents who have let them ask whatever they whatever question they're coming at them with and be able to answer them get them the resource there's not this whole shock pearl clutching thing to where it's like oh my gosh we can't discuss these issues no that's okay cool you ask the question if you're capable of asking the question then you're capable of the answer of getting the answer and that's that's what the new sex talk is all about it's not a talk it's actually an active form of discipleship that we should be having with our kids and one thing that's so great is that kids actually want to hear this information. There was a study that was done from the Power to Decide campaign, and they polled all of these teens. They asked them, okay, you know, who has the most influence on your sexual decision-making? And so they asked 12 to 15-year-olds, and 54% of them said that their parents had the most influence, and that was between parents, social media, and their friends. So probably the biggest influencers kids have right now. And for ages 12 to 15, mom and dad were number one, 54% of them said their parents had the most influence from 16 to 19 year olds. 32% of them said parents had the majority over friends and the media. So we're still number one. Yes. The numbers went down a little bit. More kids are going to their, to their friends and media 16 to 19. Honestly, that doesn't shock me. I mean, most teens will kind of go to their friends first before mom and dad, especially if they think that mom and dad are going to freak out if they ask questions. But what's so great about that, it wasn't even until college that parents fell into the second place position for influence influence on their kids. So, so many parents, you know, what we want to encourage is while your children are under your roof, you have the most influence. Your kids are looking to you to speak into their lives and to speak truth about sexuality. And they're wanting this information. And on the flip side of that, what was kind of sad about this campaign is they pulled parents and they asked parents, okay, are you talking to your kids? And do you think your kids want to hear from you? And parents overwhelmingly said, nope, I'm not talking because I don't think they're listening. But yet here we have statistical data saying, no, kids are listening. Yes, they may roll their eyes. I mean, goodness, we're going to have to say words that are going to weird our kids out. But I mean, this is just part of the parenting process. And so it's it's one of these things that here's, here's great stats that show. Yes, kids want to hear from you. Yes, parents, you are influential in their lives. So again, we need to be counterculture, counter to how the family is presented in so many TV shows where the kids just are blowing off the parents and the parents don't know anything. Parents recognize that you have immense influence over your kiddos to where they are looking up to you and they want this information. It's, It's just awesome encouragement.
0: We live in a culture that God so loves. We also live in a culture that is trying to disciple our kids in ways that are not life-giving, especially when it comes to sexuality and gender identity. Today, we've got Amy Davison, co-author of Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. So, Amy, we shouldn't have a t- sex talk with our kids. We should have a conversation
1: Absolutely. I mean, starting from very young age and you really have to see where your kids are at too, because one of the big questions we get asked is, okay, when do I start talking about these issues? Because some parents, they're, they're very hesitant. The biggest complaint I hear is we don't want our children to lose their innocence. And I totally understand that. In fact, that was part of the reason I I homeschooled for a time. I was, I was trying to put my kids in the, in the Christian bubble, so to speak, but bubbles have the best of intentions with the worst of design features. It's that they're easily popped you can't keep the world out. And we are actually the only, we parents sometimes are the only ones that want to keep our, our children innocent. The world does not. So that's one thing that we as parents, we need to recognize, you know, our the world does not want your children innocent. And so they're speaking to them at very young ages. In fact, a psychologist who was reflecting on Sesame Street's Family Day episode that introduced a same-sex married couple. They said this was so great because kids are so young. It's great to get this information to kids when they're young because they will just accept it, is what she had said. And they haven't adopted the biases until later, meaning they haven't been taught truth by parents. And so they haven't accepted it. So if we can get kids while they're young, then they're going to just swallow this down as truth. And we've already got them. And so for parents, it's it's so important for us to have this conversation, like you said, from a young age so that way we can set ourselves up as an authority figure on this so our kids will come and want to speak to us and so that kids know that they have a, a ready resource that's sitting at, across from them at the dinner table who is willing to give them this information and have these discussions with them. So yeah, it's so important for us to lay that groundwork because when we think of how we're shepherding our children. It's we are competing with the world on building a foundation. And so it's so much easier to lay a foundation on clear soil than it is to try and break through an, an earlier made foundation and then build up. And so, so many parents, especially from my generation, they didn't start talking about sex until maybe middle school or, or high school, or, you know, you know you'd know, you ship off the kid to one of the church lock-ins over the weekend, that yeah. sort of thing. Right. And when we, if we take that approach, then we've already allowed the world to... To disciple our kids from the time they were kiddos watching cartoons and so we need to make sure that we are actively reaching our kids and speaking truth and evangelizing our kiddos
0: so it's on us as parents to create a bridge for our kids to talk about sex because i don't yes. think most kids are not going to bring it up i know that me growing up as a kid it didn't even enter my mind that i would talk right to my parents about sex so how do we create that that comfortability with our kids so that they can talk with us
1: part of it starts out from when we're young of just being, you know, when you start off with little kid, you're teaching about body anatomy. We almost need to be proactive at the very beginning and not on almost we do. We have to be proactive at the beginning on instigating some of these conversations about, and it starts off just like you would normally with, with small kids of understanding boundaries, safe touch, unhealthy relationships, these normal things that we are teaching our kiddos and then branching out and, and talking about things like, like marriage, sex, that sort, we can start instigating these conversations ourselves. Also, it involves encouraging our kiddos to come to us like, hey, you know what, if you hear anything from your friends, or if you ever have any questions about your body, that sort of thing, go ahead and come and ask me whatever you want. We'll address it. Now, of course, you may have to stipulate that there are appropriate places and times for these conversations. Right. Kids are super great about yeah. asking awesome questions at maybe not the best time. <laughs> so right. it's important for us as parents to be like, okay, there may be some some instances, you know, if we're over at grandma's for Sunday brunch, probably not the best time to have this discussion, but tell you what, on the drive back or maybe the next evening at dinner, we can, we can broach this subject. So- even just opening that door and saying, okay, whatever you have to discuss, let's go ahead, come to me for that. And the next thing that we can do as parents is just actively view the things that your kids are viewing. So, so many parents nowadays, they, they just pass their kids, their cell phone and just let the kids go nuts. You know, they're, they're in the store and they're just watching cartoons and everything. The problem is, is so many cartoons, even cartoons like bubble guppies and blues clues are introducing LGBTQ themes mm-hmm. and that sort. And if you are not actively watching this, these, Uh, shows with your kiddos, you're going to miss it. Your kids aren't, but you will. And so it's very important to where we need to be watching what sort of media they're consuming. If you've got teenagers, find out what music they're listening to and then look up the lyrics. So important. In fact, a lot of kids, when they're listening to the music, even my son has mentioned this, he, he likes the beat and everything, but he's not so much paying attention to the lyrics to where when we've stopped, and look them up and say, okay, wait, here's what it's actually saying. Here's what it says about what people are doing with their bodies, how they're treating women, that sort of thing. He'll be shocked. He'll be like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that was there. And so many teens, a lot right. of that is is the same way. They don't realize the implication of what they're actually consuming audibly. And so it's important for us to look into what they're consuming themselves and then just have discussions about it. So one great tip, I believe it was Natasha crane suggested is if you ever take your kids to the movies, pick a theater that's further away so that we have a longer drive home that you can touch on these subjects and ask and have these conversations on the drive home when your kids are in the car with you. This is just a really great tip. And just pausing a show, practicing with your kids on if something comes across the TV, which it's in commercials nowadays, you really can't avoid it, to where pause it and discuss, okay, wait, what Mm -hmm. are the implications of what we're seeing? In fact, there was a study done on Christian parents. What they did is they looked at, okay, here's the parents that are putting their kids in the bubble. They don't let them look at any sort of questionable material whether it's TV shows music whatever and then we have christian parents who maybe allow their kids a little more flexibility in what they're viewing but what they do is they stop and discuss what they're viewing yeah. and actually okay what's going to what's the logical implications of these person's action this person's yeah. actions and what they did is they they looked at okay who which kid is making the better decisions and the bubble kids the ones who weren't allowed to interact with this material have these discussions view this content they overwhelmingly had poor decision making than the Christian kids who actually were allowed to consume material that maybe, you know, wasn't the greatest, but they were able to discuss and talk about these issues. They actually had less risky behavior than their bubble kid counterparts. Hmm. So this isn't to say that, you know, you should just give your kid HBO Max and say, go nuts, Bobby, you know, (laughs) instead, what we should be doing is just actively engaging with culture, helping kids reason and understand the implications of actions and that sort because those are the kids that are actually making better decisions because they could see, wait a second, this is going to go poorly. I'm not going to do this. And so it's very important just to train our kids to think well.
0: What is the sex positivity movement?
1: Okay. So sex positivity is huge right now. And really it's, it's nothing new. It's just been rebranded. It's basically kind of like this feminist and early 19th century, late 20th century movement that came through that basically is promoting any sort of sexual expression as being okay. So if you want to have multiple trysts with different partners anonymously, go ahead. You know, that's, that's totally normal. In fact, they actually see different sexual activities. If you're going out and practicing maybe hookup culture or that sort of thing. This is actually just you sort of learning and gaining sexual knowledge. You're, you're exercising in a way, you're developing a sense of maturity. In fact, that's how it's often referred to as, oh, you're just figuring out who you are and what you like. And so sex positivity sees any sort of sexual expression in any context, as long as there's consent and pleasure, then everything's okay. So as long as you're consenting to it and you get pleasure from it, then whatever you're doing with your body is completely okay. So now we have that moral standpoint. Here's our truth, right? This is our truth filter. It's consent and pleasure. And even there's Nadia Boltz Weber. She's a progressive teacher. She even says that kindness needs to be thrown in there as well. So you need to be kind to somebody else because she recognizes that consent and pleasure, you can actually get that from very toxic and dangerous things. So she throws in kindness to try and sort of circumvent possible abuse situations. But even still, all of those fail to give us a pr- accurate gauge for truth. And so this is what this movement is. In fact, actually to be sex negative is to believe in heterosexual monogamous marriage and sex within marriage. So that's the only way to be sex negative is to actually affirm to the Bible standard of what sexuality is meant for. So, and this is, we're seeing this in coming out in music as well as in different TV shows to where characters are encouraged to just sort of engage in these lifestyles and all of the pitfalls of it, like STDs, unplanned pregnancies, that sort of thing, all of the bad things that could happen are really downplayed. In fact, even Planned Parenthood came out with a video not too long ago that they were basically just telling girls well you know you're gonna get hpv just go ahead and accept it and move on and and that sort so it's like wait a second we have this movement that is now saying stds are just something you should just expect and be okay with that that seems like there's a problem there but unfortunately that is what this movement is teaching so it is unfortunately everywhere
0: Talk to the parent right now who's really discouraged about raising kids in today's culture.
1: Oh, yeah. Gosh, if I can just encourage you, you are not alone. Like, we we are all there together. And I think one thing that's encouraging, well, I have to kind of say this first before we get to the encouragement, is culture isn't going to change. In fact, this is, this is actually a reflection of our culture's worldview. The fact that we didn't recognize it when we were kids, I'm speaking from the millennial side point, is because a secular culture actually matched the biblical worldview for a very long time. When you looked at cartoons and music, you know, it was one man, one woman, children, that sort of thing. And culture has since shifted. So of course the expressions of culture that we see in art and entertainment are going to shift along with it. And so this is very daunting to parents because it almost feels a bit like an ambush. I know I recognized it a few years ago when my son and I were watching a cartoon together and it had introduced bisexuality among childhood cartoon characters. And it was very quick to where if I'd have been on my, Phone messing around on Pinterest, I totally would have missed it, but I didn't, thankfully. And neither did my son. And he was like, wait a second, mom, just a few episodes ago, she had this huge crush on this British tutor and now she's liking this girl. What happened? Mm. And I was floored that this sort of material was reaching my children. And so many parents, in fact, I see a lot of Christians responding on social media complaining about, oh my gosh, how can this be happening with our kids and culture? And part of me is like, actually this is something we should be expecting because the culture doesn't reflect a biblical worldview. They're reflecting a very secular worldview. So this is exactly what we should be expecting in culture. So with that, Parents, I think we need to understand is there's no way to keep this from our kids. So many parents are, you know, we've even had requests of, "Hey, what shows are doing this so I can keep them from my kiddos?" And I've had to tell parents I'm like, "You know what? This isn't going to stop. You're not going to be able to keep it from them because even if you, you know, have all the filters and only watch VeggieTales in your home, eventually they're going to go outside of your doors and they're going right. to encounter a kid, a teen, go to over <clears throat> to somebody else's house whether it's a friend <clears throat> or grandma. And they're going to encounter this information. And so while it may seem daunting, because we can't keep it out, and that's what we're not called to do, we're supposed to be in the world but not of it, and there's a great quote out there that says, we're not supposed to child-proof the world, but we're supposed to world-proof the child. And that is our goal as parents, is to world-proof the child. And luckily, for those parents who may feel daunted at so much progressive sexual education that's coming through, not just in the new schools and sex head curriculums, but also within cartoons and entertainment. There's a wealth of resources that are out there to equip you in this fight. So I think what's important for parents is to recognize that their children are in the fight just as much as they are. So many times we parents think that it's only parents that have to do spiritual warfare. No, it's not. Our kids are in there just as much as us parents. So recognize that. And that helps parents to be re-encouraged to equip their children to wield the armor of God because the armor of God wasn't just meant for adults. It was meant for all believers. We have to train our kids to be able to recognize and discern truth so that they can be effective witnesses, but also resistant to the culture that's out there.
0: Amy Davison, a brilliant woman and mom who's co-authored the book Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality, Empowering Your Kids to Understand and Live Out God's Design." I think this is a must read for every single parent if you're a parent you got to get this book mama bear apologetics guide to sexuality it will equip you to equip your kids in this culture that is that is trying to disciple our kids down a dangerous path there are even more resources at mamabearapologetics.com. this is just such amazing stuff to have these resources hope you take advantage of them Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.